podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The briefing room is for anyone who wants to understand the perspective of law enforcement. It's an opportunity for us to talk about what cops are doing out on the street from day to day, why cops do what they do, and also to discuss where cops go out of bounds. When we're out on patrol, when we go to a call, when we make a traffic stop, it's not always about enforcement. What we're doing with the briefing room is we're trying to educate the public. It's not about a lecture. It's, you probably didn't know this is why the police are doing this. And hopefully we can provide the answers to our listeners. The Briefing Room launches January 27th, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, I'm doing voiced waterfall. Yeah. Well, I can actually say good morning. Well, it's good, good evening now, but it will be morning by the time you listen to it. And I actually genuinely mean it. You're coming here on the fourth episode of United People's Podcast. Welcome aboard, Sam, Matt, and it, Bell. You just uh, forgot you, your name. Did you just say I'm talk, talking about yourself in the third person? <laughs> Welcome, Honestly, Sam. Honestly, I'm, I'm not quite there tonight. I, I mean, technically I'm here, but mentally I'm, I think I left a little bit of myself in Manchester there. Absolutely wild night there, Old Trafford. Um fantastic protest it really really was we're going to speak about that in depth we're going to speak about the game too i mean honestly you can come into this podcast now with a big smile on your face uh from what we saw on and off the pitch there i mean it couldn't really have gone much better on on, on the night as a whole Bal. what do you like in, in terms of what the protests could have been the problems that it could have had that sort of could have changed the narrative how many turned up it was it was fucking fantastic to be part of it really was yeah, I mean, it, I don't think I, I realised the sheer magnitude of it until we kind of turned off Warwick Road onto St. Matt Busby Way. And it literally was, stands to, it was going at snail's pace. And we realised this is actually taking us, like it's 10 to 8 and we're still literally not, not even outside the forecourt yet. Um, so, it, yeah, it's brilliant to see the, the sheer numbers that, that turned up and um, even say people without tickets... Um, who who came to support? So, I think it's um, a brilliant hats off and well done to the 1958 group and those uh, others who kind of led it. Um, so yeah, but like I said, like we've discussed um, pri- privately in the last week or so, it feels like we've we've got our foot on their throat, the Glazers that is, and and I, I got mocked by. Um, Scarce today is like, oh, let, let, let's see how many times you keep protesting if you if you keep winning, and that's what we have to do. Just keep it going, keep the momentum going. Now they, you've got a group like the Ninety Fifty Eight behind it, who are leading it and putting out general plans of this is what we're going to do. Um, it's just going to gain more and more, uh, more, mean, more traction, worked. really. Yeah. It worked, right? I mean, mm. I, I mean, Matt, it was um, obviously you started at the toll gate. <clears throat> I think I kind of knew the scale of it when I was in it, but I don't. I think I kind of agree with Bow there. I just didn't realise just how many people there were because it, it really is. I think they're saying over ten thousand fans were there. It's definitely the biggest one I've, I've seen, um, 
And I mean, obviously the, the empty old traffic thing was never part of it. So don't try and use that as a distraction away from it. Uh, that was, a. am all for protesting, but that started as effectively a hashtag by, I'm not sure by who, uh, and it just sort of like gathered a bit of pace. Um, so I'm glad that that didn't sort of take away from the overwhelming positives there. Like there was, there was young, there was kids there. There was dads, there was uncles that everybody was involved in it. And yeah, you're right. Jim Ratcliffe, I think the the thing that's really helped the energy, uh, Matt, is the fact that we've got somebody we can point towards as a genuine new owner. That's not not just like fantasy. There's a vocal point, isn't there, with with Jim Ratcliffe, and there's uh, there's a growing belief. And like you two just mentioned, in the numbers last night blew me away. We got to the toll gate, quarter past six, twenty past six, and just the sheer numbers in front of us, behind us, to the left of us, to the right. The pleasing thing for me, which I said last week, which I, I got wrong again on this pod, which seems to be an occurrence, uh, <laughs> was the violence. I don't think there was any violence. There was there was broken bottles on the way, but I think that's where people were dropping them. Uh, but no, it was it was it was a great protest, and it and it it got everyone buzzing into the match as well. The MTL Trafford was just people who probably weren't even going to the game anyway because there was not a spare. There was a few spare seats, but there was nothing. You wouldn't have noticed. I didn't even see what the attendance was, to be fair. But it's based on tickets sold anyway, isn't it? So it's... Uh... But that was good. I mean, Les Cass were trying to use it as mudslinging. Oh, so what happened to your empty old traffic? It was like, well, as you just said, it was never part, ever, ever part of it. Um... Yeah, and I, <clears throat> that was my first... Um, obviously, went into the game. It's my first experience at TRA as well. Um, and I've got to be honest, it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic i mean for, after the last two games we've had against liverpool the four nil and the five nil to go from that and to go from what we went from last week with brentford like the odds were stacked the odds were stacked against us really um obviously liverpool haven't had the best start to the season we know that but a couple of draws now they got a loss in their accounts darwin nunez wasn't there but still you were expecting liverpool to turn up and just the sheer uh, Ten Hag, right? He made some big, bold decisions there. Proper, bold decisions. Harry Maguire on the bench, most expensive player. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench. Club captain wages. Well. Captain, yeah, club, of course, club captain too. Uh, Malasia there coming in for Luke Shaw at left back. Uh, Varane started alongside Martinez. Every decision that he went for, even Martial coming on at half-time, pretty much it all worked. And everybody, to a man, just... It, 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 we've spoken about it so many times on the podcast. Like, you get, you do get stuck in cliches, and you, you shouldn't have to fucking cheer a tackle like yeah. it's a goal. But you just, you, 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 you haven't seen it for that long. Set that the it tone, doesn't it? It does set a tone, and it's and the tone was set straight away. Was it Elanga who hit the post after what was it like five minutes or something like that? I mean, he should have scored. scored. He absolutely yeah. should have scored that. But um, mate, Old Trafford was absolutely bouncing. In that, maybe it maybe it wasn't across the whole stadium. I don't know. I mean, I tell you what, the scouts were quiet, very very quiet. I'm not sure if it's because I was in TRA, but it was just it was a cracking night, man. I really really enjoyed it. And I'll be honest, pal. I didn't expect it. Did you? <laughs> uh, no results. What result wise? No. Um, we were always going to see a reaction. You would have thought um, after what happened the last two weeks and the fallout from Brentford. In terms of he got them back in the next morning, tr running their asses off, cov covering the distance that Brentford did in excess of them. <laughs> Ten Hag running it too, right? Apparently, yeah, well, as, as we've learned today. Um, 
But yeah, because uh, again, I was chatting to a Liverpool fan mate of mine today, and I was like, you think about the swing. We lost 9-0 to you cumulatively last season. We haven't beat you in four years. So there was periods of that game, like 2-1 flattered them massively in terms yeah. of the chances we had in the game. Um, some of them are half, half chances, but like the, the Langer one should score. A um, couple of the ones in the second half where we just picked, made the wrong pass. And yes, there is going to be times where they come back into the game and they control the game. Um, and that's just going to come with time now. But we've just got to kick on from this now, not do what United have done in the past, where you win a game, big game like this and then you go down to Southampton and you, you, get, your belly, you get your bellies tickled and you lose. So it's something, that, something that I saw today, Matt, which I thought was a, it's quite a nice, it's not a nice idea, but I kind of like the idea. Uh, there's, uh, he was saying that the starting eleven that played there against Liverpool wouldn't necessarily be the best starting eleven potentially to play against Southampton. If you're going to play a slightly different style of play against a slightly different team, maybe Ronaldo coming in there would do a job. And it's the idea that Ten Hag could then manage his squad and say, look, you know, I, I think, was it uh, Gary Neville used to say it? when he was dropped for a game and Fergie would bring him to one side and say, look, I'm not playing you in this game because I need you next week. Mm. Like, and making everybody have, feel their importance in the squad. Uh, do you think he'll do that next week? Do we think he's just going to keep that same eleven that obviously turned up and showed up against Liverpool? I think he'll change it personally. But I just want to have a chat with Bal there. What he mentioned, he expected them to turn up last night. I didn't. Did you honestly expect no, them to I turn said up? I, Did you, I, didn't expect, I didn't expect that last night. That blew me away. From nine days ago, from oh, being arseholes in Brentford yeah, to in doing t- that. T- in, in terms of the turnaround, was, turnaround was massive. I didn't I said, see that coming with at it all. Being Liverpool, with it being Liverpool away, you, you, I would have expected a reaction of some sort. But we had Liverpool um, away last year the, after we'd been to Everton, after we'd been yeah. to other places, and we still didn't turn up at Anfield last year. But th- that was a team literally down in the dumps. We under- yeah, I mean, you can argue the same here. We, we, we didn't go into this game brewing any sort of confidence at all. So no. you're right in terms of where that level of performance and effort came from um, was, was brilliant to see. And like I said, it, it surprised us all. But the biggest thing that they've got to do is not let themselves down by making it just a one-off. They have to build on it now. Get that level of get that level of consistency going. I, I think <clears throat> I think the biggest takeaway that we should have from that game against Liverpool is really to firmly understand how important mentality and psychology is in in professional football. Because it was a lot of them were the same players there that played against Brentford, and something switched. And they they're just as talented. They were just as talented in the game against Brentford, but just the application wasn't there. The mentality wasn't there. And it goes to show that Ten Hag has had a massive influence in that week between Brentford mm. and between Liverpool. And we've, and we've got to say that's, that's fucking fantastic news. It really, really is. The players bought into it and it worked. And they might, they, surely they prefer winning, mm. uh, beating Liverpool at Old Trafford in front of a raucous, raucous crowd rather than getting absolutely pumped. I mean, it's, no one wants to get pumped. I mean, you, you, just, sure, you just saw last night... How as a t- how the togetherness with the team every time Martinez went and blocked three or four players high fiving each other. Varane was literally he, he, I think his best game for United without a shadow oh, of a doubt. Easily, um, so but and I've got to keep going back to it. They need to build on it that level of consistency. Otherwise, this means nothing. 
going to Southampton on Saturday and dropping silly points makes negates everything that they've done yesterday. And it's what, it's what has let us down the last seven, eight years. But the next eight days are critical as well with the transfer market. I know Eric Bailly has gone out today. <laughs> but the next eight days are critical now. Is that complete now? Yeah, it looks like he's yeah, gone Marseille, get, I think. If they, get, if they get Champions League, he's gone permanently. So, fingers crossed. So, Yeah, well, it, I mean, by by is just going to be another one of those players a bit like Phil Jones like clearly had top quality about him but just injuries blighted I just don't understand that with, with Jones he's clearly not going to get into the team is he, he can he just not get a move nobody wants to know. sign presumably because presum- he's literally he's been doing a personal training session for like three months now like <laughs> no one's seen Phil Jones like where is Phil Jones where is he training what's he doing I know he's getting paid by us but look <clears throat> you know the mad thing right <laughs> we've signed Casemiro. <laughs> <laughs> you know how weird that, you know, weird that is to say. Like, Obviously, we didn't see him getting unveiled um, because, uh, well, we were in the protest, but drop Casemiro in that team. <laughs> I mean, Scott McTominay, right? That's that's your place on the bench there. Uh, and no doubt McTominay, I mean, if you're going to learn from somebody how to be a holding midfielder, you're going to learn from Casemiro, right? I, what, that is, I, I know it's a, I know it wasn't plan A, I know it might not have been plan B because we've gone from effectively De Jong to Rabio. Rabio's mum was like, hold up. We were like, no, nah, never mind. Then we've gone on to Casemiro. It's kind of worked out pretty well, I'd say. And I know people are worried about the, the wages and, and the age and oh, just signing another over, over the hill Real Madrid player. But the way this guy spoke, uh, very similar to how impressed I was with the Tyrell Malasia first interview in the way he was talking about uh, right, this is this is basically the, the first step on this new ladder. Like, I ha- the hard work hasn't finished now. It starts now at Manchester United. Casemiro, I mean, he's done all the hard work. Mm. I think, Bao, you might have mentioned this before to me. It's like, what's the motivation, mm. do you think, behind Casemiro coming to United? What, what is the motivation for him? Obviously, he says he wants to win the Premier League, but, you know, I'd love to win the Premier League. Doesn't mean I'm actually going to go and do it. Not right now. So what, what do you think has motivated him to make that move to United? Is it just money? Because I hope it's not. It's, that's I mean as as a outside looking in all the fans of other clubs oh it's a it's World Cup summer or a World Cup six months before the World Cup goes to a new league Real Madrid now have got the uh, the new players they bought Camavinga and that true many guy however you say yeah. his name um, so is he now going to be stuck and I'll add Valverde to that as well so. Is that kind of the old Bermuda triangle, triangle, as we were going to call it, with him, him, Modric, and Cruz now start going to be phased out? And for him, at age thirty, he's—I mean, I don't know if it's double his wages or whatever—he's got a significant increase on what he's currently earning, and he's now secured himself a contract until he's thirty-four in a, 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 probably a much more competitive league in terms of the level of opposition you're going to come up against, um, and it's not. Look at if we just look at the the individual talent we have in this club, Varane, uh, Ronaldo, the players who he's played with for a significant period of time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm all for it because in terms of the improvement in quality that we'll get straight away, that that's going to be clear to see because we clearly need that protection in front of the defence. I mean, we absolutely do. <clears throat> Matt, I was saying this to you yesterday. I mean, obviously, Harry Maguire was on the bench. Uh, and you're right there, what you're saying. That was by far and away 
Rafa Varane's best performance yeah. for us. Like that partnership just blended, uh, blended perfectly, man. The the the, the sort of semi unhinged type nature to Martinez's performance, and that but that's if you can control that aggression, that's what you see there. I mean, Jamie mm. Carragher, I, I didn't hear him talking about how high, how tall he was after that game. I'll be completely honest. Mm. I mean, Martinez, there's so many players that we could literally have a five minute conversation about about how good they were. Mm. Madisia coming in for Luke Shaw. I thought he was sensational on the overlap. Just everything that he did, being being first at that second ball, you know, being a couple of yards ahead of Luke Shaw in pretty much every situation, touches around the corner. He knew how to play with Martinez. They were just making smart moves, smart runs. And what Salah was, obviously Salah got the consolation goal at the end, but I mean, absolutely muted. I mean, I, I, who, who was your man of the match yesterday, uh, Matt? Martinez. Mart- You're going Martinez? Yeah, Martinez. Uh, I thought Terrell Malasir was, he was good. He got beat quite a few times, but the thing that impressed me most was how he got back. He was back quickly and he was on top of it quickly. And I like him. I like, I like him a lot. He's, uh, he gives me a bit of a buzz now, that little fellow at left back, better than little chubby cheeks. And no doubt you'll get another complaint put in this week for that comment. But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Luke Shaw fangs exactly. But uh, I can't see Luke Shaw getting back in. If that level of performance from the left back, I can see Maguire getting back in. I just can, uh, but the left back, I, I can, can't see Luke Shaw getting back in. Apart from Europa or Exeter City in the Carabao. I mean, yeah, but we've got Europa League draws coming on Thursday. Um, obviously, we're playing one game a week at the moment, uh, but pretty soon we're going to be playing Thursday, Sunday, every single week in the build-up to what is it? Do you have are there even international breaks before the World Cup? I there, there is are. one. There's a one Nations League end of September. Yeah, there's only right. there's England playing Germany and Italy. Is it Italy away? Yeah, and Germany at home. Yeah, yeah, Italy away. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So we will, yeah, we will see Maguire come back into the team. Something I I, I agree with. Just I touched on there. Casemiro is going to make Maguire a better defender. Casemiro is going to make Varane and Martinez. He's going to make the whole defence better because they've got genuine protection. They've actually got a door in front of them. Whereas previously, it's been like, welcome in, everybody. Do what you want, however you want to do it. We haven't had that protection. Now, De Jong was never going to be that player. So we still need... Uh, in Casemiro, we've signed that enforcer. Somebody who literally knows how to screen in front of the back four and pass it to somebody else. He's going to be the king at that. And it's our biggest Achilles heel and has been for so long. So it could be incredible signing. I hope it will be. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really sort our... Um, De Jong is that playmaker from deep. De Jong's the person who's going to start the build-up. Do you reckon, the do you reckon there's a chance it could still happen? I I think by the looks of it today, uh, Aubameyang's going to be going to Chelsea. And I think that gives them enough wages that they can register Kunde because they still can't re- they still can't register George. They're signing from Sevilla yeah, yeah, yeah. and they still can't register him. And I think if they sell Aubameyang and I think Memphis, they're terminating his contract too and then they're trying to get rid of Martin Braithwaite and Umtiti, I don't think they would have to sell De Jong. Okay. But if United came in, I don't know. I mean, came in, we've already been in. We, you know, we've, we've done everything we need to do. But United are still going... Man, honestly, it's it's been so exhausting trying to keep your head just get your head around everything that's <laughs> constantly going on with Man United. It really is madness. Like, as I say, we, we could speak about the protests yesterday or Casemiro being unveiled or the fact that we beat Liverpool 2-1 or the fact that we're going back in for Anthony, which looks like maybe maybe 100 million euros. I mean, what's... I mean, we can all agree it's overpriced, right? No one, no one's going to be arguing that Anthony's worth 100 mil, Matt. But 
what's what's your gut instinct on that? Is that something that you just see as a pure and utter panic buy? Or is it something that, I mean, Anthony was on the radar, well, a couple of months ago, really. Okay. 100 million, let's say, let's say the actual initial fee is 19, it's rising, whatever. He has, is he 23? I think he's 23. Uh, he has 22. 10, 22. So let's say he has eight good years at United, hypothetically. Uh, 10 assists a season and 15 goals. That's a return on investment straight away. So shirt sales, I know. I mean, I know you make it so simple. It's simple, isn't it? You're looking for a return. You're not looking for a return on a on a sale value. You're looking on a return on the pitch. So, no, I think good value. Why not? I mean, I'm not sure I would put it in the good value category, but it's the sort of signing. I mean, he's going to be a, a, a seriously, seriously exciting player. Of course, he's going to come with a, mm, can he cut it from the Eredivisie? But I'm like, well, well, I, I, don't, I don't really see the point in ever having that argument. But um, and, uh, if you drop him in that team, you what have you got? Is it Sancho's going on the left wing? Then you've got Anthony on the right-hand side. You've got Martial through the middle. Rashford yesterday. I mean, again, we've got, we've got to talk about Rashford. He's mm-hmm. been absolutely pony for, for so long. And that was that was a bit of Marcus. That was a little bit of the Marcus mm. that we sort of grew. And, and he, his, his work rate was there. It, it was the body language. The body language is a big thing. Like his shoulders weren't down. He wasn't up. It, he, everybody bought into that Ten Hag style. Like whether it's going to be the fact that Ten Hag did the, basically did the bleep test with the players in, in terms of the punishment for the Brentford game. Whatever it is, everybody to a man bought into it. And that's the way a pressing system works. If you have one person that doesn't do it, You've got a weakness, and it will. You you can't do it. But yesterday, from Martinez and Varane, mate, even Diogo Delo, you could speak about any player there, really. Matomane even did a good job. Well, I would rather Casemiro was there, but it was just super impressive. It really was, and so and infuriating, really, when you think about it. Like, where the fuck was that against Brentford? Why did it take a pumping against Brentford for you to pull your fingers out? I don't. I don't really know. But at least there was a response because if there wasn't a response against Liverpool, then you would, you oh man, I don't know what the questions would have been. But it's not the questions aren't on us now. The questions on um, mm-hmm. the greatest the, the greatest Premier League team ever, right? It's Liverpool time. Mm-hmm. No, just a bang average backbone. Do you know what you've not mentioned? <laughs> yeah, but like if- Tony Martial. What? Tony. Tony Martial came off the bench. Came off the bench and made him that 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 move for the second goal mm. was fantastic wasn't it good touch into space good passing behind took van dyke completely at that mm. at the game at that moment yeah. yeah fantastic from him i mean martial was red hot in pre oh, it's pre-season's pre-season but martial looked like it out of, out of everybody mm. he bought into it he was one of the early adopters really he just took to it straight away in the first game i think he scored that goal where he pressed the player was it um against liverpool actually mm. pressed the player won it and then chipped it dinked over the keeper mm. i think that was the first game but Martial, look, I mean, he's probably going to have to start now mm. against Southampton. I think I was kind of surprised he didn't start this game. But um, I mean, Anthony Ilanga, yeah. I mean, Ten, Ten Hag keeps coming back to. It. He said it in his interview with Sky yesterday. We need numbers, and we need we need quality numbers, not just numbers. And ultimately, again, we're so far away in terms of what they're doing. But Pep could play any six players in front of the defense, and nobody would question which of those six, the system he's playing, unless he decides to play with no defensive midfield in the Champions League final, <laughs> um, reinventing football. Um, but <laughs> nine times out of ten, he'll get it right in terms of his selection. 
So like if fold if one one week fold will play Gundahan or Bernardo or De Bruyne, I mean then the names go on for them because over time they've now built up that quality and depth. My, my, my Liverpool mates again, you can see you saw it yet yesterday, a couple of injuries, and you're starting midfield with Jordan Henderson, and James Milner, and that's that's not going to win you in any trophies. Then coming off the bench, I mean I was quite surprised Fabinho didn't start because he's. he's Last couple of years, he's played really well against us. <laughs> I think that was probably one of my favourite moments of the game when Fabinho came on, and it was you're just a shit Casemiro. <laughs> it started out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like, that is very quick. That is very very quick. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like it's getting up for Liverpool at home or City at home historically has never been an issue for United or any United teams post Fergie. It's been the Southamptons away. The Blackburn, not the Blackburn, so the Brightons, or those type of games where you go and think, have you got your, have you got your bellies tickled after what you've just done five days ago against Liverpool or City or Arsenal, Chelsea? So that's the that's the big big thing for me now is building that level of consistency because all the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs are going to do now is build that level of consistency, and then once you do that, it breeds confidence and suddenly teams start fearing you. Like I guarantee you now, teams will start. Fearing Arsenal, what they nine points out of nine, they haven't conceded a goal, so that's just going to breed confidence in them as a team as well. Yeah, I mean, this Eric Ten Hag needed that after the first <clears throat> to go from what was overall a very positive preseason, apart from the sort of sideshow with Ronaldo and that what was going on there, to go from that to Brighton and Brentford games was such a, a steep drop. Hmm. That that game there, the sort of we, we've got the precedent now. We've we've got the blueprint. Ten Hag have got has got the Liverpool game to point to with this squad of players and say, "Well, you can do it. You can fucking play football." That's what he said in his post match reaction. <laughs> I mean, he was like, he was. I think he was some kind of as surprised as you, Matt, really, about what he saw. But what what do you think then going into the Southampton game? Do you do you do you are you sort of in Bowers camp? Are you fearing that that drop off is going to be there? Or is this just is this going to be the start of something new? They've set the benchmark, haven't they? Uh, they've set the the running stats. They've set the sprints. They've set the effort. They've set the determination. They've set the aggression. Uh, they've sent. They've set the one. I want this game. I want the ball. No one went missing last night. Nobody. All eleven of them. The only thing we're talking mm. about body languages, etc. I think Ronaldo looked sulky when he came on for the last six or seven. Didn't really move about, which is he wants out. It's as simple as that, so I get that. But Saturday, I know I'm looking forward to it. I'm going, looking forward to travelling down. Uh, I think we'll get a result. Really do. It's just, it's it's nice. It's nice to come here on a podcast mm. and don't have, we don't have to moan and groan about things that have gone wrong and that, that we can genuinely, I mean, this is why I've always been excited about Ten Hag ever since the sort of, the story came out that he was going to become our manager. I, I, I believed in it straight away because of what's happened in the last few years and what I've seen. And the players, they they did it there. You, you get, it goes to show how important this summer transfer window is for Eric Ten Hag because if you're looking at best performers there against Liverpool, you're probably saying Lissandra Martinez. Mm. You're probably saying Tyrell Malasia. And you're probably saying that that performance there wouldn't have happened if Ten Hag hadn't have brought his new signings in. And mm. they, they, he's trying to change it. He's trying to switch it up. And Martinez is the perfect example of that. You're right. I personally think he's going to be my favourite player coming into the season. Maybe going toe-to-toe with Casemiro. We'll see about that. But um, going back to the game, one individual there, because it's this is a it's a proper head-scratcher, really. 
when we signed Rafa Varane, I was like, our oh, pure Rolls Royce. Like, this is it. This is it. It's, this isn't signing somebody who's over the hill. And then Rafa Varane just kind of turned into a crock. Like, injuries have plagued him so far. But he was absolutely... He he looked like he enjoyed playing in a team that actually dominated the football, uh, dominated a bit of possession, was on the controlling foot and sort of played with the chest puffed out. It seemed to suit Varane. And I, so Matt, do you, do you think that... What's the, what do you think is going to happen between the sort of... Because Martinez is he's, he's a banker, right? Martinez is going to be our starting left centre-back all season long. There will be questions about club captain Maguire and Varane, you know. How, how do you manage it? If you're Ten Hag, how do you manage it? The back five won't change for Saturday. That'll be in place because we haven't got a game Thursday, Sunday, etc. So we're not playing the double games yet. But with Varane, has he ever had to break into a sweat like he did last season for us? He probably hasn't. He's been, like I said, he's been Rolls-Royce for Real Madrid. He's been Rolls-Royce for France. He's won World Cups. Champions League, La Ligas. He's never had to break sweat. I bet his kit man in Real Madrid's never washed his kit. He doesn't. It's and now he's at United. <laughs> he must be thinking, "Fuck me! I've got to earn some money now. I've got to earn my money." And it, it's. But last night he was good. The thing for me was. Well, he earned it against Liverpool. No, he did. But you want seven games out of him like that. You need six, seven games in a row. You don't want two and then three weeks off. Mm. You need six, seven games with him. Matt, uh, Bal, do you think that? Judging by that performance there, that Ten Hag's thinking, right, well, Varane's ahead of, Varane's ahead of Maguire now in the pecking order. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he has to be um, just in terms of how quickly we were able to get up the pitch as a team. Um, I mean, you, you saw the, we saw against uh, what Ivan Tony did last week, the consequence of trying to play that high line, playing in their half, and suddenly two balls in, one one over the top of Maguire, one across Luke Shaw into goal. Um, yeah. I'm not saying they were solely to blame um, for, for that particular move. Um, but, but yeah, as Matt was saying, there, there seemed to be so much control and everybody knew what their job was yesterday. Um, and there's so much more of a better understanding. There's time. I think there's time in the first half where Delo got the ball just just inside the the right channel. I thought he's just going to hoof it now, but he put his foot on it and he played he played the pass out, and it, that was just good to see that. You know what? They they're now thinking we need to play football rather than just hoof the ball. I mean, you saw when Wambasaka came on and he hit, did his air shot, <laughs> and it's like it's like that's the difference of having that composure. Um, and I'm not. I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to slay Harry Maguire because I think he's. I think he's a very good player. Um, I think he's just a victim of undue press. Um, and he's, I mean, I'll he, be honest, and he's been the fall guy for what's happened. But it, you you can't argue with the manager's decision based on what we saw last night. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've I've went at Harry Maguire with like two shotguns last season. I really sort of. I think it was because it was. It wasn't just the performances. It was the fact that he was captain that I couldn't really get my head around how you could play like that and how he was speaking in the press conferences. I might have to do some, I'll, I'll happily do an apology and call myself out. If, if Maguire can get back to his best this season, I do think, as I said there a few times, Casemiro there, he'll make a whole defense, but look better mm. simply because they've got the protection that they absolutely need. But you're talking there about composure. I mean, that goal by Jaden Sancho oh. was, <laughs> it's almost like he was, it was like he was taking the piss, wasn't he? Like he had James Milner still sliding. He, he could have sat down there, put the slippers on. He had so much time just to roll it into the net and just, oh man, Jay, we've all, we've, we're yet to see, I mean, United, Gary Neville's called us the graveyard for players and I'll, I'll be completely honest, it's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but it's kind of not too far from the truth because there's been too many players who've come to our club last few years mm -hmm. 
and they have they are not bad football players and they become bad football players. Jaden Sancho has been a bit of a shadow of himself. Was it about was it like three months last season? Was it like February to like April ish? And he was and he just like he stormed it. I think it was when he scored was it away at Chelsea. I think it was that. Mm. Um but that goal there against Liverpool, absolutely top, top level. If you think Martial's coming back into that team, then you think about Anthony being added into that team. We're hearing separate reports that Gakpo might be coming in too. Who's a completely different winger, by the way. Gakpo plays off the left, can play with his back to goal. Can he push him more centrally if he does? Who? Gakpo? If, I think he, if he gets both of them, Ronaldo's gone. I mean, that's the. That, I think that's the only reason we get both of them if Ronaldo is gone. It, so, has he gone? I think he's talking about Lisbon, wasn't it? I don't. I don't what, what What is Ronaldo going to do? Because it, is he? I mean, obviously, we kept him back in two thousand nine. We had him for one season when he kind of didn't really want to be here, uh, but he didn't particularly. We still got to the Champions League final. Was that the one? It was Rome, wasn't it? And then it just wasn't the same player. In that final, it wasn't. The, it wasn't obviously. It wasn't the same player as it was the season before because he got forty-two goals in the Ballon d'Or and he won a double. But is Ronaldo just going to sulk all season, or is, do you think it, it, at the end of this eight days, if he's here, he's going to go? You know what? Right, I'm here. Let's fucking go for it. Let's do it. Hmm. What, what do you What do you expect to see? A sulkiness. I don't need it. Need it. Just get rid. Just get rid. We don't. We don't need to talk about him. Get rid. I know he's a legend, but no. I, I, I don't think the I don't think the question is about getting rid. It's like we can't. It's a bit. It's not the same situation as Phil Jones, but it kind of effectively is because if we could get rid of Phil Jones, we would have already got rid of Phil Jones. If there was a club that wanted to sign Ronaldo, I think we would have already sold Ronaldo, wouldn't we? But then you think it's fifty fifty. It's, it's not. A, a... Ten Hag wants rid, uh, and then Glazer wants to keep him. So it's who wins. Well, that's. Yeah, that's the story that we've heard. Uh, that Joel effectively is the um, the what the jewel in the faded crown of Man United is Cristiano Ronaldo. But um, as, long, Bauer, do you, as long as he's, he's under no kind of pressure to oh, play him on X amount of minimum games, um, where there's other politics involved, um, I personally would would sell him in the sense that if you get the likes of Anthony or Gakpo. Then you had Martial, Rashford, Sancho, um, Alanga. You've got all relatively same age players. Okay, yes, you're lacking the experience there, but you've got the athleticism where you can play any three of those on any given game and you can pretty much get the same level of um, pressing. You you can play with the same kind of... Um, the the press that you want to play, you, what, your, what your tactics are, where suddenly you're playing Ronaldo... You pl- you're playing with effectively one man down for your press, and suddenly you've got to go to a different way of playing. Um, I, I think for long term, I think it's a case of, yeah, we had the nostalgia of him coming back, but it's a case of just drawing a line under it. Do you, do, do you think there's a chance that um, that United would actually terminate his contract rather than keep him at the club for a year where he didn't want to be here, Matt? Or do you think that that's kind of like, that, that's, just, that's a stupid conversation to have? No, I think it's a, it's a simple conversation to have. Shake hands, thank you. We don't owe you anything. You don't don't owe us anything. See ya. That's it. Done. Simple. I, I, th- I think Saturday will tell us a lot. His team selection. If he's if he's out two games in a row, and then he's only really got what from because the window closes on what Wednesday. 
Yeah. I don't know. What is it? 31st, Thir- is it? Yeah. Yeah, then we've got Next Leic- Thursday. We've got Leicester on I think. The Thursday away. No, Thursday. Leicester's on Thursday, yeah. So we've got. Well, so if he doesn't play on Saturday, he's only got some four days to then get a transfer. Um, he has to. Yeah, I mean. Uh, but if you're a. If if you. If you. Tar- if you. <coughs> not tar- rip up the contract, then he'd be a free agent. I don't think. Does that mean no, it would yeah. go past the deadline? No, but then I think it's a Champions League deadline for registering squads. I don't know. I actually have no idea. Um, but yeah, it's um, it was a big call leaving Ronaldo, dropping Ronaldo. It was a big call dropping Maguire. It was a big call dropping Shaw. All the big calls from Ten Hag in that game against Liverpool, they all contributed to that performance. They all contributed to that win. Uh, I mean, it was still squeaky bum time whenever that, that goal went in from Salah. I was just like, they don't deserve a draw. Please, please don't. Please don't. And ultimately, they didn't. The scoreline flattered um, him, in my opinion. I think it did as well. Was it Rashford had a couple of chances? Um, I can't remember who else happened. Obviously, Langer with the early one. 2-1. Hmm. Well, your sister would have been happy if it was 3-1. Yeah. Maybe she put that down. <laughs> yeah. I'd put a 5 on for her. I, I wouldn't have given her any money. But <laughs> yeah. Thanks for winning me 170 quid. But, but it's also, we haven't mentioned him yet, but the difference Ericsson made... Just oh. at times, like when that ball came, well, got pulled across from uh, Rashford for the first goal, came to him on the edge of the box, everyone like, shoot. And I think he slightly miscontrolled it, but then he's just taken his time and he's played the one-two in Malassia, who's then pulled it back for Sancho. But have, you watched the re- have you watched the replay of his free kick? Oh. Have you seen the save that Addison yeah. makes? Like literally the tip, the tip of his finger stopped that from going in the absolute top bins. I didn't realise how good it was mm. when I was in the stadium, but my Ericsson's just... He's just he's just great to watch, really. Mm. And I think what we've seen, early doors, mm. he's more than capable of playing at the top level. Yeah. And the fitness, I don't think, is a concern at all. And then if you, if you look at how, the way everyone's playing so far in terms of actual output and contribution, if we do kind of make any further signings, someone like Bruno's got to be uh, concerned in terms of, well, is my space in the team at jeopardy? I mean, yeah, I think he, he, he led as captain well yesterday in terms of his energy and putting himself about. Probably his best performance of the season, I think. Um, but in terms of the actual quality that you would need on the ball, like that time where he's on the edge of his box and he's dilly-dallying and he's lost the ball, and probably they could and should have scored had Firmino not messed up. Um, and I, I, I saw a tweet, is that if that was Pogba, the amount of abuse he would have got doing so so he's got he's got to stop he's got to learn there um because that's giving someone like Liverpool a free pass to your goal yeah um but, but but that's a good problem to have where players now have to start playing for their positions because they know there's players just as good as them off the pitch well I think I think with Maguire and with Ronaldo um Ten Hag has shown uh, it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what position you are in the club it doesn't matter how good you were last season if you're not playing well, I will take you out of the team. Mm. I will put somebody else in there. And if they play better than you, they're going to come in there and they're going to take your spot. So Bruno will know that he's not a guaranteed starter in that team. Mm. We, could, we can have Ericsson there. When we signed Casemiro, you could see Fred playing further up there. Hell, if, when we signed Frenkie de Jong at some point, then there's even more players that could come in and take the minutes away from Bruno. But yeah, as I said, I think it was actually his best performance of the season overall, but still not the Bruno that we saw for like the first, what, 12, 18 months. I think we still need. Yeah, for, for me, our only—if I was looking at a team yesterday, weak spot for us, um, I would say it was just a lot um, in terms of long term. 
France, can you can we really rely on him uh, for out of the course of the season? Um, that would be my I, only concern. I think if Eric Ten Hag had his way, we probably would have signed another right back this yeah. summer. Uh, but I think we just had so much going on. Uh, I don't think we could. I think Delo, if you the way he's improved under Eric Ten Hag, mm. like, I think Delo and Martial took to his system. He they were two of the early adopters. Like they 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 liked it straight away and they they seem to be enjoying it. But he'll definitely want more at right back. He'll want another version of um, Delo. I don't know who that's going to be. You see Denzel Dumfries and whoever else we've been linked with. But Ethan Laird's gone to QPR. Wan Bissaka is so not suited for this Ten Hag system. It's kind of, it's it's almost a waste of time to bring him on now. The flow's not suited for football, to be honest. There was two minutes left on the clock last night. And we had a throw in, and he run to get the fucking ball. He run to get the ball to take a quick throw in with two minutes left. He, the bloke's just thick, <laughs> fucking thick. And I just want to call you both out there. You mentioned something about Saturday and the team. But what do you think? Casemiro and Fred have got an unbelievable record together for Brazil. Something like played twenty three together, one twenty two. Something stupid like that. Crazy numbers. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if Casemiro's work permit comes through because I think that's the, the only thing holding everything up. I gathered that yesterday when he got unveiled. There was no squad number, etc., so they can't properly register him. What do you think of Casemiro and Fred being partners going forward? I mean, it would be. It would be more weird for Ten Hag not to immediately try it than mm. for Ten Hag to try it, if you know what I mean. like They are international partners. They yeah. are both... I mean, Brazil have come back to the fore of international football. They kind of disappear for a while. But I think they've only lost one game they've played together mm. for the Brazil team. Uh, did they win um, Copa America? Brazil, uh, no, Argentina. No, Messi. Argentina did. But Fred... Is Fred is a number eight. Fred has never been a number six. Fred has never been better suited uh, to a deeper line position. He's always wanted to play on the front foot. But we've never had anybody else in that squad capable of sitting behind him and actually doing a job properly. Uh, I think we should absolutely try it. I think it's the most interesting dynamic there. Is It's obvious that Casemiro is going to be the deeper of the midfield three. I've got no idea what the best partnership is going to mm. be in front of him. It might not be Bruno. You might see Fred and Ericsson there. That could that could definitely happen, right? Yeah, and that wouldn't be bad at Just all. Coming back to my point before about Bruno, suddenly if you start getting better output from the likes of Fred, who's now linking up well with uh, Casemiro, etc., and I don't think Ericsson's quality can be questioned at all. His would just be as he can he maintain the fitness levels. It's a long season; we're going to get injuries. I mean, how many games have we got before the World Cup starts? Uh, is, is it October? We've got nine games. So the games are going to come thick and fast. You're going to need your squad, um, and he's got he's got to very very quickly establish what is his go to eleven. Because I don't think we could have said that for any United manager for the last nine years, and anyway, what their best eleven was because it was we're always constantly changing. But his eleven's going to change every week because of the, the Carabao, the Europa. He's not going to have a set. He might have a set eleven in the Premier League, but what happens on a Thursday night? Well, I don't night? think we play, we don't play. We... But what happens on yeah, a Thursday night? Yeah, understand. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Go on. Yeah, I mean the Prem. I'm talking set set eleven or mm. your established eleven for your league games. Your league's going to be your bread and butter. I think. I mean, I don't know who who's going to be in the Europa League, but you should have enough to navigate yourself out of the group stage comfortably. So, and and I don't think we play any Carabao Cup until after the World Cup. I think we play one round. No, no, because it's, it's, 
I, don't, I, I, I believe the first the, the, that's the first round fixtures is after because they're, they're playing the first round today, um, and then second, the, the second, with the second round, round where the non-European come to. The second round tonight. Yeah. All the Premier League teams, apart from the European teams, are in tonight. Yes, yeah, so the th- third round is eighth and ninth of November. Right, which is when I think is that when the European. Uh, yeah. Is that when the European game? Yeah, yeah. And joined by the seven Premier League clubs. Yeah, so 8th and 9th of November is our first Carabao Cup League fixture game. I mean, that will be that will surely probably be the kids because it's just it's just going to be the, the pile-up before the World Cup and the and the mm. post-World Cup uh, fatigue that there's going to be is going to be wild. You see how Liverpool are struggling at the moment. Imagine what they're going to do after the World Cup. Like They've already struggled with injuries. That's a shame. No one likes it. No one likes it. But it's... I don't know, man. I couldn't help but absolutely love it yesterday. From, from the start, as it is, first time me and Matt have, have met. Look at that. We're, we're actually real-life friends now. Look at that. Friends. It was, oh, you know, podcast friends. You know what? It was a fantastic afternoon. It really was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great afternoon. Led into a peaceful protest, which was fantastic. And onto an even better game. And it was, you know what? It was nice to... Be in the ground ten minutes after the game without effing and jeffing at a left back walking off or swearing at other players walking off. It was just nice. It was just. It was just. You know what? It was just nice. There you go. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it was just nice. I mean, that's a sort of that is a sort of insight you come to this podcast for, right? So, so if you if you were a betting man, where where do you think will will strengthen there in terms of uh, attack? Uh, attack has got to be the main focus, I think, because he's got Casemiro, and that's that's your big that's your big midfield signing. Uh, if I would be surprised if he got De Jong, but I also would have said uh, ten days ago. In fact, I did say ten days ago. Out of all the transfer links we've had this summer, I would literally have put Casemiro as the one that is one million percent not going to happen, mm. and it happened. Uh, so it kind of that took me by surprise. So literally, I, nothing can surprise me anymore with United. I think we'll sign Anthony. Um, and if we sign Gakpo, I think you're spot on. The only reason we sign Gakpo is if Ronaldo goes. But so, and at this moment, but also they're, they've got, they're playing Rangers tomorrow, aren't they? Yeah, yeah there's a like, second round of the Champions League qualies. They drew two all in the first game. I think got an assist. Question so, for you both. That'll be that'll be main main. Where does Gana- where does Garnacho fit him this season? <sighs> Not seen him. Um, Not seen him. I mean, you hardly saw him. The first game in pre-season that he played was the Vallecano at Old Trafford, wasn't mm-hmm. it? That was, you, have, you have 45 minutes and he played really, really well. Um, there was obviously going to be uh, speculation that he was the player who turned up late and therefore got dropped from the squads. But Garnacho, I mean, if you, if, you re- if you realistically think about where he is in his career, last year he broke through into the FA Youth Cup team, man. Like, it, he had a storm in season, but he literally has just broken into the under-18s. Uh, and he's clearly accelerated. He obviously, if you're good enough, you're old enough. The old, the old adage. Ten Hag's going to have to try and manage him properly um, because he's going to want to play every minute. He'll have the enthusiasm to play every minute, uh, but you have to pick and choose the right. I reckon Europa League strikes me as a perfect place for Garnacho, really, because mm. um, I think you'll be able to in the in the Europa League. You won't switch out a full eleven. You'll drop a few players in, and then you'll race rest some players, and that's a big enough occasion that I think. I mean, look. If we do that and Garnacho leads us to winning the Europa League, we get into the Champions League next year. That's a huge thing mm. for the club. I personally think the Europa League is probably where we'll see the most of him. I mean, yeah, initially, yeah, until you get to the um, the the knockout stages post Christmas, 
I think with the game but coming yeah, up, I mean, it's, well, it's just two seconds there, but the game's coming up, you say you're seeing post-Christmas, but 3 nil. let's say, right, getting ahead of myself here, Southampton, 60 minutes on No, the I was clock. talking about Europa League. Yeah. I was talking about Europa League. There's, there's games where we, if we're winning by a certain amount and the game's in the bag, you can see him coming on for 10 minutes, 20 minutes here, I think. Yeah. That Does that really help him, doing that? No, but I think what it does is it helps manage now. They know they've got... I was, I'm just looking at the Europa League dates. By the 3rd of November, the group stages of Europa League are finished. 3rd of November. Normally, it used to be the... 8th, 9th, 10th of December. So a whole month earlier, they're squeezing. What? Yeah. So that we, we played the 18th, 8th of September, 15th of September, 6th of October, 13th of October, 27th of October, and 3rd of November. The week later is Carabao Cup, and then the World Cup starts. Jesus, man. These players are going to be absolutely shagged. So, so this be... is where, as Matt's saying, a game is done, you've got it in the bag, you make your, th- your third, your fourth, and your fifth sub. And that's the, that, that is the, the, something that would definitely help Garnacho this year is actually having five subs uh, because you can, right? But a manager can only afford to have that luxury <laughs> and do those subs if the team kill a game early. It's if you suddenly... Which we don't do. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, you uh, see so the Dortmund game, Matt, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad. My last question on the squad then. <clears throat> Goalkeeper. Well, well, Jan Sommer. What did you say? What did you say <laughs> yesterday? Like Jan ban- Jan Bomber, San Bomber, Jan, San Bomber. San Bomber. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was funny. Anyway, Jan Sommer. That's the Swiss goalkeeper, if I'm correct. Uh, Thirty-two, I believe. Goalkeeper's a goalkeeper. De Gea. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. I personally think De Gea is just a slow walk towards the exit. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to become an incredible distributor of the ball. Well, they did fucking run out run out of his box mm. against Liverpool. Everybody collectively was like, what did we just see there? It, was, it stands out when you see it. Uh, I'm not going to say that he... I wouldn't put him in the same category as Wan-Bissaka in saying that there's just literally no chance of him suiting the Ten Hag system. But, I mean, it, he's made quite a few mistakes so far and it, and it does jar a little bit. And when you look at what Pep did with, uh, was it Claudio Bravo? And then they spent like 30 million on him and then binned him off after one season, signed Edison. And that was such a fundamental part of why the City team is successful. And the mm. same goes for Liverpool with Addison. You, you need the right keeper to play the modern mm. pressing system where you play with a higher line and your keeper is effectively, it's like a sweeper keeper, right? Has to be able to play out from the back with the ball. And right now, De Gea is... Slightly getting better, but I'm being a little bit polite there because he's, he's pretty much just kind of average. But I think it's the, it's an area we'll have to invest in because of how many games. Because Dave's not playing every game, is he? So and Tom Heaton is Tom Heaton. He's he part. He's was he 38, 36. He's not the answer. He's the answer in the Carabao, I guess. But I've not really heard of any youngsters coming through on the goalkeeping on the goalkeeping side. So it's uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think we need. To, I think that's one place we need to. Invest just for the amount of games we've got. I, I think I think they I think I think they will. Because um, I mean, the rumours that three or four could come in. If you if you if you count your striker, so if you count your goalkeeper, a potential right back, Anthony Gakpo. I mean, like, say it's a lot of business to get done in eight days. 
And I mean, this is, a, this is a football club that's dillied and dallied for so long, and all of a sudden but, we're doing, but, we're doing but, supermarket sweeping. But Casem- Casemiro deal showed you things can happen in what? When we, when we last linked, first link Wednesday, was it last week? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the Casemiro deal, when you, when you take a step back, I think the thing that switched it and flicked it was the fact that he was on the bench uh, for Real Madrid's first game mm-hmm. of the season. It didn't come on until about the 85th minute. That was the sort of the green light for United going, right, okay, it is many and it is um, Camavinga this season. Mm. We can probably go for Camavinga. And it, it paid off. It worked. Mm. I did, I, honestly, I'd labelled it as pure fantasy, but it worked. Mm. I mean, but like, uh, if you've seen it, uh, Andy Mitten just did, did it in one of his podcasts. The wrote an article about, about Fabregas. Like, he pretty much, that summer where United courted him, he pretty much said to David Moyes, if I don't play the first game... Um, I'll basically ask for United, and he started yeah. and scored two and a couple of assists. Was it? He's like, yeah, well, that was the end of that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that that will have, like I said, gone into his, going into his mindset. Well, yeah, am I now going to be second fiddle here? But, but yeah, like, like as as Matt said off air at the start, and as we're introducing it, this is match one. This is match one now, so you can't... It was a 40-game season last season, wasn't it? <laughs> so, uh, Exhausting. Uh, as much as you want to kind... Like, this team... I've, I've never... This team has never shown me any belief to kind of say, you know what, I know what's coming next because I can't tell you what's coming next. And that's the... Maybe. That, and that's the... Um, not not scary thing. It's, it, it's, it's, it's exciting, but... You knew back in the day under Fergie, if you're a City fan now or a Liverpool fan, you know when you turn up on that Saturday or the Sunday to watch your team, what you're going to get, what level of what you can expect from your team. And that's, that's going to come it, I'll time. be honest, it's, it's, a, it's a far better um, concern to have than the concerns that we've had after the first two game weeks where we just, I mean, we were, we were questioning absolutely everything. What we're questioning now is saying, right, the precedent's there, the blueprint's there, the marker's there. Can you go and do that against your teams that are going to finish between like 12th and 17th? Because typically they're the game. I mean, yeah, it's, you're right. It's easy enough to get G'd up against uh, Liverpool at Old Trafford after 10,000 fans protested outside the stadium. It's, it's easy to get soaked up into that atmosphere. And we did. But look, there's no doubt we'll be here on Monday. Matt, uh, Bow, are you going to the game as well? Uh, no, no, this week no. I'm up north. Up north, it was it was Southampton last year, wasn't it? When they um we didn't get in for like half an hour, yeah, and they gave yeah. us a refund. So that was a business. Yeah, but uh, oh well, hopefully enjoy it. Three points, <laughs> Matt, well, Matt, bring three points. Matt, you'll go there. You'll you'll give us the uh, the views from the terrace. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. it. But look, it's a bit of an early, right it's an early kickoff, isn't it? It's twelve thirty. So uh, and uh, it is. So it's one of those season, one of those weekend ruiners. If it doesn't go well, yeah. the arseholes, the, the early kickoff on Saturday. But there's some, well, it could make you weekend, you never know. It's, right. it's a big week as well for United. You think Southampton away, Leicester away, and then Arsenal at home. And I think Arsenal at home again mm. with the protest, because it's going to be another protest on a Sunday with the Sky TV cameras. Will you get the numbers to 10,000? Probably not. But another protest. Happy days. I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't, I actually wouldn't put it past it being on that scale. Uh, certainly for the Arsenal game because of our, how how well Arsenal were doing as well mm. I think that adds into it but look I'll, I'll wrap up now look everybody thank you very much for joining in I hope you actually enjoyed this one it wasn't a therapy room it wasn't three <laughs> blokes just three moody middle-aged men just getting angry about United it's like we we didn't just beat Liverpool there like 2-1 was 
I think Bale's right. 2-1 flattered them. Uh, and to go from 9-0 on aggregate over two games to that, that's a big fucking step in the right direction. Uh, let's hope that we can do the second step against Southampton and don't slip off like we normally do. And we have done so many times previously. But we'll be here. Make sure you follow United People's Podcast on Spotify. I always forget to say this at the start. Every single time. Anyway, listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, Deezer, wherever you listen to it. Uh, and join me, join Matt, join Bal. Maybe Alex will be here next week. Good luck to Alex, uh, who maybe uh, is going to have another little baby by the time uh, we come in next week. Uh, maybe we'll see Neil as well if he decides to come back from France, but maybe he'll just emigrate. Two Bye-bye. most important words, glazes out. <laughs> Remember that. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Briefing Room is for anyone who wants to understand the perspective of law enforcement. It's an opportunity for us to talk about what cops are doing out on the street from day to day, why cops do what they do, and also to discuss where cops go out of bounds. When we're out on patrol, when we go to a call, when we make a traffic stop, it's not always about enforcement. What we're doing with the Briefing Room is we're trying to educate the public. It's not about a lecture. It's, you probably didn't know this is why the police are doing this. And hopefully we can provide the answers to our listeners. The Briefing Room launches January 27th, wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.